Welcome back to the Hustle System Podcast, where we unpack the patterns of success and failures of my favorite people in the world of business, arts, internet marketing, and what have you. Today, we have Mr. Neil Shaver. Now, Neil is quite the character. Neil's got a book coming out on March 17, 2020 called The Age of Influence. And by the time this podcast comes out, the book will already be out. We're going to include a link down below. And you know what? We recommend that you get it. And here's why, okay? When you hear the word influence, every, every, you know, we've, we've read Caldini, okay? We know it. I've, I've got the book right here. I can see it on my shelf. That's all good and well. But what most people forget when they're trying to scale up their business or brand is that there are leads out there that you need to buy your products. And guess what? There are influencers who have already contacted those leads and gotten them bought into their brand or business. So if you could just tap into those influencers, you could tap into a wide ranging pool of potential leads and customers for your business. If only you knew how to do it. And that's exactly what we unpack on the podcast here. And that's exactly what Neil unpacks in his book, The Age of Influence. And uh, you can find Neil at Neil Schaefer on Instagram. We'll include a link down below. And you know, what's interesting about this conversation is really we go deep, okay, on this one particular element of human psychology in that we all want to be heard. We all want to be appreciated. We all want to feel like when we're having an interaction, we're having a real human interaction. And I think what social media has done is made it more difficult for us to have these interactions. And so Neil and I go very in-depth on unpacking what does that actually mean for brands in the modern age? What does that mean for your business in a modern age? And how can you approach this just a little bit better? We also unpack some fun tidbits about music and his you know, best uh, coffee practices. I think we're each three, four, five espressos deep on this particular episode. So you know, what, I'm, what I'm excited for you is to go through this, get his book, dial in, and ask yourself, if you were to leverage this particular approach, what type of impact could you make internally in your business? And as a result, what type of impact could your business make on the lives of other people? So without further ado, I would like to dig into this influential episode with Mr. Neil Schaefer. We've never wavered in that vision. Everything you hold worthwhile in this thing. Beyond yourself and ourselves, I have a dream. Freedom is indivisible. I took the initiative in creating Yeah, so today we have Mr. Neil Shaver. Thank you for uh, coming on. Uh, for the folks who don't know about you, so you really specialize in uh, LinkedIn marketing, B2B, as well as really helping people understand marketing in this age of influence, which is what your new book is all about. So let's hit them with the merciless pitch fest right out the gate, the age of influence. I think everybody's seeing it, right? Everybody's seeing this, the social media phenomenon and the trend. Uh, what's that all about? And what's your uh, kind of unique angle on that? Sure. So I've been doing social media marketing since, you know, 2010. Now we're, we're in our, in our second decade and I've always been here to, you know, serve others. I I've written a few books, obviously a blog on my own podcast. And really over the last few years, I've seen that there is this huge gap in understanding between those that are already like, 
you know, really is an understanding that today, uh, you know, digital influence is spread among a lot of different people. It's not just people on Instagram. It can be any social network, including TikTok. It can be YouTubers. It can be photographers. It could be podcasters. It could be authors, right? And marketers that tap into collaborating with these people, considering that people just don't trust advertising like they used to, and the way that algorithms and social media work, when you look at your different marketing options, uh, once you understand the potential and the value, influencer marketing becomes extremely attractive. And that's why we have a lot of startups on Instagram. They, they just spend their marketing budget on influencers. And it makes a lot of sense, right? So that's really you know why I wrote this book called The Age of Influence coming out on March 17th. And um, yeah, I, you know, I consider myself an educator, obviously, depending on how people want to work with me. I do one-on-one coaching. I do, you know, consulting for enterprises. There's some companies where I go in their office once a week or once every other week, and I'm sort of their fractional CMO. But really, it's all about, you know, educating others because I can only, I'm not part of your brand, right? But I can give you lots of advice and a lot of handholding. And with the perspective and the mindset and knowing the tactics, that's where I can really help accelerate marketing efforts, uh, you know, for any size business. So that's what I do. And that's the book. Killer, man. What's the thing that you enjoy doing the most between like the B2B stuff, the influencer marketing stuff, the consulting? Like what's that? Is it, I'll give you an example. For me, it's like um, in running a company, it's when one of my staff members pushes through a roadblock, a personal roadblock that they had with performance and seeing their light up. And you know that when they come home, they look at themselves in the mirror and they're stronger. And like, there's a change, like like a real metamorphosis that happened there. Which part of uh, the work do you enjoy doing the most? Sure. And before I, I respond to that, Mikhail, um, my work is not limited to industry. So my background is more on the B2B side. And my first two books were on LinkedIn, but uh, I work with companies in any industry, B2B, B2C. So just wanted to throw that out there. Um, but um, you know what I enjoy the most is when the clients understand the strategy and they agree to do it or implement it. And then we begin to see the results. Mm-hmm. Like when one of my clients adopted marketing automation software and they have an e-commerce store and we began to see that these abandoned cart emails were actually driving revenue like they should. Mm-hmm. And it's that, that, you know, that aha moment. It's like, wow, this stuff really works, doesn't it? It's like, yes, it does work, right? But you don't mm-hmm. believe it until you see it. So it's seeing those first results that, uh, that I, I, I'm psyched about and I know my clients are psyched about and that's what leads to obviously greater and greater rewards. Totally. I, um, I call it like uh, working on blind faith. I think we have this in, in digital marketing a lot where it's like, we hope this funnel works or like, oh boy, I hope this product USB is congruent with what this placement is supposed to be. Uh, we don't really know. But then when you see it kind of hit home, um, hit the bullseye, it's very, very powerful. Um, as a quick little aside, how can people find out more about your coaching? Obviously, we'll put all the links below the podcast. Of course, that's a given. But if you were to like send somebody to a thing, that's the best of page. Is it, do they DM you on Instagram or is it on your website? What's your trip? Like, yeah, your it's wherever people feel comfortable. So I've gotten business from DMs on Instagram. Obviously I have a website, neilshafer.com. Uh, but really, you know, everybody is sort of different in their needs. So the best thing to do would, you know, DM Instagram, LinkedIn message. I mean, pick your social network on there. Uh, send me a message. I also respond to emails, believe it or not. So neil at neilshafer.com. <laughs> And let me know your problem and how I might be able to help. And that's really the best thing to do. Awesome. I love that. I love that we teed that up. And uh, we'll circle back to the book in a moment. Um, One thing that I want to kind of mention for the audience, okay, is uh, what we're seeing a lot, and this this is all kind of tied together, is I call it the slingshot effect. So especially online, what what do we have? Well, we didn't have an online. I don't know if people remember that, (laughs) but there there was a point where there was like no internet, like it wasn't a thing. The internet wasn't a thing, right? And so it's relatively new. It's It's a baby. 
so, so to speak. And then uh, the internet came out and, um, you know, uh, internet marketers all over the world realized, oh, you can, you know, sell things without having any accountability, right? And we saw that with uh, Google's Panda update. We, we saw a lot of updates from the major networks coming out of trying to curb uh, some of the quote outrageous claims, et cetera, et cetera. And so what that created was this great distrust, I think, of marketers in the online space. Um, it's a bit of a dirty word, right? Marketer, it's like, okay. Uh, and then created a slingshot effect, which is towards what your book is about, towards influencers. Um, the analogy I use is if I rip somebody off, they should be able to punch me in the face. <laughs> you know, that's really the accountability mechanism that has existed in humanity for uh, millennia, you know, and, and, uh, with the internet, we've kind of wiped that away. So I think it's really cool to see that. Uh, what's your take on that as far as, um, how people can tap into, let's say, let's say they're a business, um, and, or let's say they want to start a business, uh, and they're on the smaller side. So they're not major enterprise. They're not a sales force. Um, how can they tap into other influencers within the ecosystem of the space they're already in and leverage that, in a powerful way. Like if you had some best practices, what would those look like? Sure. I just want to, I, I love that slingshot effect, uh, you know, analogy that you gave there. You know, the way I look at it is that businesses, brands suck at social media. I mean, that's the conclusion I've come to. We see how, you know, they, a lot of big brands, their organic social media is now part of their PR. It's basically become a paid social initiative, performance marketing. And when you get into what's popular over the last five years, which is visual, you know, you can still recognize advertisements as you go through Instagram feed, right? It's pretty easy to, sh to see. So that's really, you know, my takeaway is that, you know, any brand could have become an influencer, but they didn't, mm -hmm. right? It's the YouTubers, it's the Instagrammers, they, they found, you know, the lifestyle imagery or, you know, the hacks that they share, the personalities, brands don't have personalities. And as much as they try to humanize themselves, they're not a person, they're still a logo. And, and people know that as well. So, mm -hmm. so that's my takeaway. But really, you know, when we're talking about influencers for any business, any industry, it all comes down to who has digital influence in your industry. Now with B2C, it's a lot easier to see. Um, because there's probably going to be Instagrammers, YouTubers, bloggers, you know, what have you. But I would argue that the same is for B2B, right? Who are the people that have an audience, that have a community that if you were to get in front of, there would be value? And believe it or not, a lot of this stuff has been around even before Instagram. You know, when you are reaching out to a website and you want to get a link from them, we call this blogger outreach, right? Mm -hmm. You do this for SEO, you want to get a link. You are reaching out to someone that has more digital influence mm -hmm. than you have in some cases, depending on their, what we call the domain authority score, you know, their, their Google ranking, or they, they have some value. They have some digital influence. And if you get a link from them, there is a benefit to your company because you are going to rank higher. That is one form of influencer marketing. We never called it influencer marketing. It's like, I wrote a book about social selling back in you know 2011 called Maximizing LinkedIn for Sales and Social Media Marketing. I didn't have the term social selling, but what I was talking about was now what we call social selling, right? Yep. So the blogger outreach is a great example, right? And what about reaching out the mommy bloggers? Same. They have communities, they have digital influence. That influence is not on Instagram, it's not on YouTube, but it's on the internet. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, what about affiliate marketing? You reach out to affiliates because they're able to push your product out there. They have community. They are influencers. So when you look at it that way, you begin to realize there's a lot of people out there. Like, you know, I love the analogy, you know, before the internet, because I remember growing up and there were three major TV stations, a few major newspapers, and everybody at school 
we talk about the same TV shows because we all watch the same TV shows, right? Yep. And we all read the same news. Well, it's all over the place. It's everything's fragmented now. And even, you know, from a personal perspective, right? I never created digital courses. This is something that I hope to create for the first time this year. And I know I'm really late to the game, right? Because I've been creating content since 2008. Mm-hmm. But back in 2010, 2011, creating digital courses wasn't something that you did. And now, man, I heard the other day, it's like a $5 billion industry, which is pretty which is comparable to the amount of advertising that's going into influencers and Instagram. They say it's about $5 billion as well. So you, these you're going gonna to laugh really quick, not to interrupt you. I had digital products as the fourth bullet question mark of <laughs> when go. are you going to drop one? So there you go. Go. keep, keep go. going. Yeah, yeah. I love this. So that's the point. And you know, the, the first, I've never paid to see any of these at gurus, but I did pay to see one guy named Brandon Burchard. And I probably saw him like seven years ago, right? Uh, what's it called? Not Influencers Academy, but something Academy. <laughs> and he talked about, you know, there, there's, there's like these economies that exist that, that we just don't know about, but they're out there because it's all digital and anybody can access them, build trust and spend money like this entire $5 billion industry that came out of nowhere. So this is just an example that influence. And, and, you know, I go to like social media marketing world every year and, you know, people come up to me, Hey, how's it going? The next thing I know, they're extremely influential and I'd never heard of them. Right. But they've had their own communities. They've sold their own products for years. It's just because of this fragmentation uh, and it, it's impossible for us to know everybody, but we find people we click with that we learn from and, and we, we invest in them. Right. And, and we pay them money. So that's really the takeaway here. The influence is everywhere. You got to find the people in your industry. How do you do this? You start by doing searches. You do Google searches, you do searches in all the social networks. If I was interested in this subject, who would I talk to, right? Um, who would I listen to? And inevitably, you're going to find competitors. You're going to find distributors. You're going to find ecosystem partners. That's a, a term I use a lot in B2B as well is, you know, look at your entire ecosystem. Who are the different people in there? But you know what? Sometimes influence is right in front of you. Have you gone through your list of followers, even if they're 100 or 200? Have you gone through every single one and check them out? Because now in the influence marketing industry, we define influence not in the hundreds of thousands or even the tens of thousands, but when we talk about nano influencers, it's in the thousands, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and with uh, social media, it's so mainstream and with digital natives and millennials now a majority of the workplace compared to 10 years ago, right? you probably have nano influencers that are either following you or they may even be working at your company. So, you know, this taps into sort of brand advocacy and employee advocacy. I consider them both part of influencer marketing. You're reaching out to individuals and collaborating with them in hopes that they will help promote your brand and, in, in, you know, whatever uh, thing you want to do. So I think the first step, right, is mapping out, right? Who are these people? Who might they be? What is the brand affinity. And one thing I talk about in the age of influence is that everybody is all thinking, let's go to an influencer marketplace or let's find someone with a million followers. And there's a, there's a danger in doing that. Number one, you don't have experience because you're probably going to overpay. And number two, if you are not seen as having enough influence, the rate's going to be higher. And a lot of people are just going to reject you. The more influence your brand has, the more everyone wants to work with you. It's, it's as simple as that. And the more trustworthy you are in terms of, you know, getting paid and, and what have you. Um, the other thing is, you know, the more people you reach out to, the better you get at this. 
It's a new mindset, right? And the number one question that I get is, Neo, I want to reach out to more and more micro-influencers. Is there an easy way to like scale this? Is there a tool? And you know, you, you can't because these are human relationships. And you can try, you know, blasting the same letter to everybody, but you're going to get nowhere because everybody's receiving those and they can see through it. So really, you don't need to start with a lot of people, but before you go out, out of that affinity circle with your brand, right? People that don't know you and they may not even like you, start with your employees start with your customers, start with your followers, put everything together in a database, right? If you have email addresses, you can build custom audiences. You can even do a little advertisement. We're launching a new, you know, ambassador program. We'd love to have you part of it. So at least you, you get eyeballs. If you're able to understand where people are in social media, obviously you can go to their profiles and check them out. Uh, who's talking about you in social media. You should have a social listening tool. So, you know, spend a little time to do research, find, you know, five, you can start with five or 10 people. But start open-minded. You know, we know that you have influence. We want to collaborate with you. It's not like we want to give you a $20 Amazon gift card to write a, a thousand-word blog post and put up a, a two-minute video on YouTube and create three different stories over the course of a week, which you see these really stupid, insane requests come through to influences. Just yep. no, don't start with that. The first thing you start with is we we know like you know, you've built a great community and you talk about things that are, you know, synonymous with what, with what we talk about. We share the same values. How how can we collaborate, right? And that's really where you start. I think for a lot of companies, and I, I know that I'm going through a lot of content here. Uh, a lot that's in the book, but what I think is going to happen here is you're going to find the biggest mindset shift of all these mindset shifts I'm talking about is not seeing influencers as amplifiers of your message, but seeing them as content creators and leveraging their content as your content, leveraging user-generated content from influencers is probably the best way to get started. You're already paying for content. These people have influence because they obviously are great content creators. Um, you know, it, it, this is where I've, I've seen some amazing nano influencers just make great content. Well, why don't these people have, you know, 25,000 followers? I don't know, but those are people that I'd want to work with because they're not at that level. They've never bought fake followers because they don't have that many followers. And if you catch them early enough, uh, you might be able to create this amazingly collaborative relationship where you can source a lot of great content and it's going to be a lot cheaper than any agency or or even in-house uh, you know, talent that you have. So think of influencers as content creators and think of collaborating with them on content creation. And this is where you get into the B2B side where it's, it's podcast interviews, right? It's roundup blog posts. It's having them speak at your events, inviting them to Twitter chats, what have you. So it's this, you know, include them not just, hey, we're going we're gonna to throw some money your way or throw some product your way when you post this. Start with, hey, how do we work together? And, and that's why you see you know, brands now going beyond just paying people and like putting them on, on, on airplanes and sending them places where they can take amazing photos in an amazing location and this experiential uh, approach to collaborating with influencers, which influencers love, and there's great photos taken, there's there's more you know, respect for the brand, there's probably more loyalty, and you're closer to really the, the end goal of all of this is you want to convert influencers into becoming brand ambassadors. And when you treat them that way, you obviously increase the chance that you get that. So I've said a lot, and I know you're thinking an employee as a brand ambassador, yeah, I mean, there's some employees that love where they work, right? So you're just extending that to what they do in, in, in digital and social media. And, and so, you know, a, a few different mindset shifts, but once you get there, you begin to think, okay, this should be a line item on my budget. And we're going to start with a program 
we're going to start with a few people and, and, you know, take it from there, but it's going to be collaboration. It's going to be, you know, content creation. So instead of us creating our own content, we can leverage user-generated content for our social feeds, which we know every data point I'm seeing outperforms, you know, what brands can do. We can use that content for a website. We can use it for advertising. And in that way, it's going to outperform what we've done before. So we're really putting a new social face on our brand. And believe it or not, Mikhail, I like to say that influencer marketing, once you get to that point, actually brings the social back into social media because it's about collaborating with other people. And that's what social media was about. So instead of looking at social media as this way to market the people, you look at it as a way to collaborate with people. You look at it as just amazing people out there creating amazing things that we're going to collaborate with. And they're obviously, you know, content creation is part of it, but whatever objective you have, you want to launch a new product. You want to get it into people's hands. Well, work with influencers to make that happen, right? Send them a bunch of freebies that they can give out to the community for a win-win-win, right? It's A lot of it is really common sense, but you need to have that mindset shift or a few of these shifts that I've talked about in order to make that happen and be successful. I love it. I love it. I think this comes down to like the town hall too, that hear ye, hear ye, right? Where, where back in the day, you'd have these town hall meetings and if something was really great or let's say you had a really, uh, you had a town and there was a really great baker. Uh, in that town and, and you just made amazing bread. Uh, you could smell the bread, you could experience the bread and people would say, oh, you know, check out the bread, right? And I think we've taken it, uh, you, you kind of hinted at, you know, uh, SEO optimization, like Majestic, et cetera, some of those tools uh, with bloggers, so on and so forth, and, and getting your website to rank. And we've really taken this online. And I think with online, what you have is you don't have that visibility. That 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 bread shop, it's not down the street from you. Now it's in Bali. Now it's in completely different ecosystem and it's not within your RAS. It's not within your regular act- activation system, which is what your eyes actually fixate on. And so it's harder to interpret. And so what I'd like to touch on is you mentioned, uh, you know, the messaging has to be good. I get, I get these messages all the time by default. Uh, my default is no, um, as an influencer. So I, I, I kind of play both cards, right? We have an agency and then I'm the influencer also. So I have to play both sides of that fence. And, you know, one thing that I found that was really great is the higher the person, like the higher up on the ladder, the person, the more open they are to hopping on my podcast, to offering value, to offering says that they're a lot less tit for tat and they're a lot more open to giving because they've, they've kind of climbed the mountain. They can be kind of the Sherpa and like, oh, I can see, you know, you're, you're 30% of the way up the mountain, man. Just, just, just go that way. You know, just trust me, go that way. I've gone the other way. I fell, it was no bueno, <laughs> go the other way. So if you had some, some advice maybe for people reaching out to influencers. So I'll just, I'll just do an example. Um, buddy of mine, he's got this really small clothing line. He just started. It's all about pandas. He loves the red panda. Um, I know you're, you're, you're big on, uh, you know, Japanese influence. I've got a bunch of cowboy bebop stuff all around my house. So we get, we can, we can chat about that stuff later too. But, it, it, and you know, and he's working to get people uh, bought into the messaging. So my question for you would be this, how do you go about structuring a message that's bigger than life? That's not just, Hey, promote my brand. Hey, I need this thing. Um, how do you go about architecting the messaging component to, to get someone to say, Hey, I really want to be a part of this. How do you go about approaching that psychologically? Yeah, so I think that the problem with the industry is that they still think of it as messaging. How do I craft the perfect outreach DM or email? And the problem is at the end of the day, it's going to be impersonal. And then you're going to have people like me that's like, you know, hey, you know, um, would really love it if you could link to my blog. So I look at the guy 
you know, and, and, and he comes out it, because it's impersonal. I love your blog. You know, this blog post in particular, you've probably seen these as well. But when I dig a little bit deeper, I'm like, okay, is this person on my email list? No. Is this person following me on Twitter? No. Is this person following me on LinkedIn? No. When I do a Gmail search of my decade of emails, has this person ever popped up anywhere? No. So, you know, you, it, it's a relationship. And if you really want people to buy into your product, because it's the next greatest thing, you need to build relationships. The beautiful thing is social media gives you the ability to do that. I think what a lot of people try to do are the shortcuts. The shortcut is we'll just blast out 100 emails a day, 100 DMs a day. Um, we'll try to craft the, the best message. And you might be effective with 1% of the people that way. I think the data shows. But you're going to get other people who are like, I never want to, I'm going to block this company because I, why are they spamming me, right? Um, and it could actually hurt your brand reputation when you do that. So it begins with doing the things that other people would do if they want to engage with an influencer. You follow them, you, you engage with their stuff, you, co- you, know, you comment. Um, one of the stories I like to tell are the Buffer folks. Have you heard of Buffer, the social media app? Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay. When those guys started out, they were avid comment bloggers. Oh, or blog commenter. Sorry. Got yep, yep. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, they were like on my blog. Like it seemed like almost every other post they were commenting, but they were really, really authentic comments. And then it's like, huh, what do these guys do? And at that time they didn't have an app yet. They only had a plugin called Buffer and they were looking for people to obviously install that. Well, I guess they did have like the beginning of the app, but the whole thing was based mm-hmm. on having a buffer button on your blog. Yep. So obviously, you know, they commented, they put out some blog posts where they gave some shout outs to some of the bloggers who had already installed the button in a industry where I don't know who makes these plugins that I use, right? So to me, it's like, cool, I'll su- you know, they're supporting me, I'll support them. And really from that, I believe they were able to launch the company and, and really end up being successful. So it's mm-hmm. the same concept. It's, you know, before you reach out with the, you know, whatever you, whatever you want them to do for you. Um, and, and even then it should be like, Hey, how can we collaborate? How do you work with brands? It's really getting to the point where they already know you when you reach out, they already know your product. Well, it may be hard to sort of fit your product into, in, into, you know, comments and stuff if they're not posting about relevant things as well, but it's really about building that relationship. If they're going to a conference, go and meet them. Right. Um, that's really, I, I believe the ideal thing to do. Now here's where the tension is because marketers don't have time and they want to automate it. And it, you know, but on the other hand, it takes time to really build relationships, which are going to lead to the greater results. So there's never going to be a perfect mix. Every marketer, every brand, every agency is going to have to find that perfect mix of, of relationship building with, you know, sort of outreach at scale. But I think we've been doing outreach at scale for some time. So I'm saying, hey, let's take it a different a different step. And you don't have to have a thousand influencers in your program. Start small. But the idea is if they're long-term, these are people that we can leverage over and over. We don't always have to be looking for new people, right? Let's, yep. you know, build some loyalty. Once we find the influences really work for our brand and yes, we have KPIs and we measure and not everyone is going to work out and that's fine. Right. But the ones that do work, those, those are gold, right? And we should, we shouldn't have this campaign based approach. Like I said, it's line item in a budget. We should con- constantly be engaging with these influence where it makes sense to. Yeah, totally. Quick question there on uh, from from let's say I'm a CFO of um, of a company and um, Bang Energy is a good example. Bang's doing really well. Ignite's doing really well in that space uh, as far as you know leveraging like in mass. And let's say I'm the CFO of a company of that, of that caliber. 
and I'm looking at, you know, six figure per month, seven figure per month influencer budget, how do you approach the ROI calculation on something like that? Because that always ends up being a very interesting conversation with uh, logical bookkeepers, right? Uh, If you are, say, the uh, the CMO, and you want to roll out an initiative of this capacity within even a small organization, uh, often the pushback from the accounting is going to be, well, uh, how are we going to metricize and or calculate these sales? And uh, with something like, you know, ClickBank affiliates, Commission Junction, uh, it's very easy <laughs> when you're doing, you know, digital products, obviously you get, you get your little tracking link and you got, you know, you know uh, very transparent third-party reporting, all that stuff. But, you know, things like uh, platforms like Instagram uh, are not as good at understanding the needs that marketers have when it comes to metricizing and tracking all the way through the point of sale. So uh, the question I guess would be, do you look at that as a line item of saying, we're going to do our best and we're assuming a zero ROI. And if something spectacular happens, great. Or do you go beyond that and try and metricize it in some way? Because that's something that I've um, struggled with myself in not just, you know, with our own organization, but with other organizations that I work with on explaining, well, look, if you're, it's a bit of a chicken before the egg kind of thing, right? If you don't get the eyeballs, you can't get the conversions. But if you're, uh, if you're, if you're hunting the conversions without the eyeballs, you're also not going to get them either. So, um, uh, how do you go about approaching kind of the the technical tracking aspect of dealing with that from a budgetary standpoint? Yeah, and, and this is probably why brands have never become influencers for that reason. Yep. Absolutely. How do you explain the ROI of this podcast, right? Or in the words of Gary Vaynerchuk, what's the ROI of your mother, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. No, it's great. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, you know, the idea is that, first of all, do you have metrics for everything in marketing? What's the ROI of your website, right? What's the ROI of every piece of content you create, every photo shoot that you do? There's, there's marketing infrastructure, and then there's sort of performance-based where you have um, you know, specific you know, pay-per-click or the affiliate model, what have you. So I don't think that everything is broken down into a metric. But with influence marketing, you can break it down any way you want, depending on how you want to collaborate. So if you want to save money, well, let's replace our content studio with content from influencers, right? That's one really, really easy thing to do. If it's not affiliate marketing, I don't, I don't like the traditional model of affiliate marketing because I think that brands get the better out of it. But I do like the idea of having individual discount codes for influencers that they share with their community. And that is how you would track it in a better way. But you would not give them a 5% discount code because it doesn't make anyone look good. You'd make them a code that is actually an incentive uh, that people in the community would actually want to reach out and, and buy from. So, you know, if that is what you need, obviously, depending on the network, you have website traffic is obviously another indicator. And at a minimum, you know, if you get more eyeballs on your content, then there are various ways of retargeting those eyeballs, depending on the social network and if it's your website or not. So really, you know, I believe, you know, content, you know, pixel, um, if you want to go for the discount codes, it really sort of, you know, feeds into everything that we have. And if it's in B2B and you want to use an influence to do a webinar together with, you know, every new email address that came from that should be considered that source came from an influencer. So it, you know, influencer marketing, just like social media marketing 10 years ago, where brands not have a budget and you had people working at night from their homes 
trying to figure out social media marketing because the, their company wouldn't let them do that during the day, right? Yep. Um, and, but over time, they started getting budgeted. And maybe at the beginning, it was PR. And maybe influencer marketing is going ha- to be the same way. You've heard the term, a lot of B2B brands say influencer relationship, right? Or influencer, you know, relationship manager. Uh, similar with, with public relations and public relationships. So maybe that's where you start, right? It's a PR effort. We're going to you know, collaborate with influencers because they are the new media in digital media. And from there, we are going to, you know, uh, better measure as we have specific initiatives where we can activate them. So there's a lot of different ways to approach this, but the best way is going to be send your CFO a copy of my book, The Age of Influence. (laughs) I I made that book specifically. The first part is really, you know, without any doubt, people are going to see the ROI, the why and the how and why it's not some crazy trendy thing, why it is part of, you know, marketing going forward. And that's really the buy-in. And, you know, 10 years ago, how did you get buy-in for a social media budget, right? It's really the same question. And maybe with Facebook, you never got buy-in, but you got buy-in for Facebook ads. Okay, well, let's do the same. How do you measure your Facebook ads? Is it impressions? Is it clicks? Well, you can do the same with influencers, right? And you may actually get a cheaper impression per per 1,000K with an influencer versus a Facebook ad. So I am preaching, let's put these all out in Excel sheet, right? And let's compare. You know, without having done influencer marketing, you have no data, you have no benchmarks. Take your paid social, take all of your different benchmarks, and let's see how we do. And and from there, let's start to see what we can optimize because you're going to get a very different result and different benefits with influencer marketing than you do with all these other forms because it's coming from a person, right? Not yourself. Um, and just all these other things that we talked about. I like that. I like that a lot um, because, I mean, this comes down to uh, Innovator's Dilemma by Christensen, right? If you don't innovate your marketing channels, you're just never going to be able to outperform. And if you're not taking those first steps in order to get the knowledge and the innovation to happen, by the way, is that caffeine? Is that coffee? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Cheers. Cheers <laughs> to that. I, I, I know in my double espresso. I love it. Yes. Yeah, so, so if you're never taking those first steps, you're never going to learn the things to actually get good at it. And so you probably have line items in your budget for all sorts of things that are probably not hyper useful or ROI oriented <clears throat> comp packages. <laughs> hint, hint. Um, you might want to, uh, you know, uh, position those in a way that maybe does get more visibility, which then you can, you know, um, increase your yearly bonus later. Uh, hashtag hint. Uh, so there you go. Uh, so that works. I, I love that aspect of it. I also really love this idea that you unpacked of building the real relationships. What we're doing now with our socials is we're actually pulling back. We're actually getting rid of people that are following us. They're engaging. So we're actually proactively combing through and saying, Hey, Listen, I know you follow us and that's great. Susie Q13, that's awesome, Susie. But you know, I, your content's not that relevant. You haven't commented or engaged in any way. Are you real? Are you a real person at the other side of this thing, right? And you know, you can see like the Chinese farms of having like the, the 50 million phones on a wall, right? And they're, they're, they're spitting out profiles. I mean, it's just really crazy. And uh, what you mentioned of, of getting the, the like, I have totally watched your content, I swear, please. Uh, do something for me now. What's really fascinating when you go to their profile and it's like, I am a professional, you know, spam DM or basically like their profile is just like, get the sale no matter what. <laughs> you're basically, they're basically just hating, you know, that they're like, please donate to my turtle organization. But then on their thing, they're like F turtles. And it's like, dude, you can't do both. You know, you, you got, you got to pick one. So I, I love some of these angles. And, uh, and I'm what, doing the same, by the way, I'm, I'm, you know, constantly, I would rather have a smaller, a following, but a more engaged following, because if you don't get the engagement, then the algorithm just just kills you, right? I've been doing that like for the past year. It really does make a difference. Absolutely, it's huge. And uh, the thing that you mentioned, I, I thought was great. It was like, what's the ROI of this podcast? So 
the way I view this is at some point you and I are going to be at some convention together. Right. And, and I love that you love Japanese culture. I wish we had more time to go unpack that. I'm a big Tim Ferriss fan. You know, I'm, I'm sure we have a lot of commonalities, but it'd be nice if at some point you're like, Oh wow, that was really transparent. And maybe we went a little deeper on some elements that maybe some people don't go and venture into as far as, you know, what happens if, you are not quite like sure of yourself on innovation or with you, you have this unique angle where you're like a very old school marketer and you're, um, you're playing to a very new school space, right? So there's a lot of really great foundational things that people need to learn, but I'm sure there's a part of you that's like, I, I have this. I'm like our 11 year old kids, like totally like TikTok. They're schooling me. I'm getting schooled. I'm getting schooled over here. It's brutal. Right. And going and taking yeah. a look at how do you stay relevant? How do you stay current? Right. And, and unpacking some of those things. So, and I'd like to think that addressing some of those obvious fears in the background um, that we have as, as marketers of getting out innovated, we can have that transparent conversation go, well, that was actually really real, really raw. Um, that really is a real conversation that does kind of elicit some things that come up, maybe emotions that come up, maybe thoughts that come up, maybe, maybe the, it entices some sort of action that then we take, you know, and that results in a real result, kind of what you mentioned, where, where you get a result for a client, they see it in their, in front of their face and you're like, wow, that really like made a difference. So um, just cause you mentioned like, what's the ROI of this podcast That's why I love doing these, because I think there's like a, this breath of time we get, and that's what we got. And you and I have just spent an amazing, like, this is, this is a great conversation. I can see a lot of the way that your, your thought processes and the way that you're approaching things. And it really uh, makes me have a great appreciation for that. And for you as a human, and at the end of the day, like, that's what it, that's what it's about. That counts. You know, what's our, what's our ROI of that guys? Nobody, nobody knows, right? It's, it's like, oh, what's the ROI on when, um, when you're way overworked, way overstressed and somebody just gives you a hug, like, what, what are you going to go metro? How do you metro that? You can't, I do have a question. Okay. The poster behind you, that, that that's not the not the I want to believe one, but the other one that, that with is that with the dog? Is that a yeah. dog? What what that's is that? A, that's a wolf. So I'm wolf. glad I'm glad you asked that. That's actually and on the side, they're really hard to see. There's two more uh, posters because this bookshelf is blocking it. It's actually one of my favorite bands. They're from Wales. They're called the Joy Formidable. They're not a very uh, like an indie band, but um, yeah, I've seen them several times. Those are all like signed. And uh, they're just a great, uh, a great band. They opened for the Foo Fighters uh, a few years ago. That was sort of their claim to fame. But uh, yeah, I, they they tend to be very artistic in, in their posters. Dude, that's that's the that's the jam. That's the jam. So are you just like running around like Japan, just like rocking out, and everyone's like, "What's this? What's this white guy doing here? Like, how does that work?" <laughs> uh, you know, I'm bummed because I was supposed to go to Japan uh, two weeks from now. Well, a week and a half from now, but just decided, you know. They announced they were closing their schools today. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not going. So yeah. I was looking forward to jamming out again. But the, yeah, it's funny because Instagram to me, I really got going on Instagram because I was a fanboy of this Japanese you know, rock musician. And I would start engaging with her fans. And through that engagement, it's like now I, you know... Even though I'm in the states, they'll like you know they'll they'll get tickets for me like you know like front row, second row tickets. I've, I've met people that have like got married uh, because they met at her concerts, and so now I'm like I'm in this like inner group that everybody wants to get into, yeah. and it all came from just this organic Instagram engagement. So I and I saw that power like five years ago when I went to one of her concerts in Osaka. All these people coming up to me, oh, you know, I follow you on Instagram, and. It, it was wild, right? But that's really, you know, some of the power that, that this has that I think 
um, businesses sort of forget. And I think, you know, when you think like a fan and, and you understand how fans think about, you know, things they love in social media and their passions, and if you can tap into that. And, and like I said, like, as brands, it's hard to tap into. But if you could find those influencers that people are, are fanboys, fangirls of, that's really where the power is. Yeah, and create those commonalities too, those common threads that um, end up weaving us all together. Awesome, man. Thank you. Some last minute questions. So let's go through. I'm getting ready to close this out. What's your earliest memory? My earliest memory is probably a photo that was taken outside my home when I must have been like two or three. And my mother put like a uh, like a toy replica alligator and looked like it was going to like eat my head off. And I was like smiling and laughing. Uh, and then my, my dad was a photographer and looked, took a lot of pictures growing up. So that is sort of like one of my early memories. I'd say I was probably about three. That's cool. The crocodiles and wolves, a lot of like very like carnal animals. Um, (laughs) Favorite animal? Favorite animal? Um, I'm a dog lover. I don't have my own dog. I grew up with a dog and um, yeah, love dogs. Cool. Uh, Loyal and friendly and always happy or is there some other reason? I think they bring out the best of people, you know? And, you know, my parents live in a, in a, you know, assisted living facility, I guess is the right word to use. Mm -hmm. And they have dogs come for therapy like once a week. Right. And I, I, you know, if you see the looks and it's not just the the people that that are happy, I mean, the dogs are truly happy too. Right. So they they truly are a special gift to humanity. Totally. I love it. Um, Guilty pleasure. What's something that you do that has no ROI whatsoever, but you do it anyway. Um, Well, it's probably this. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> oh wow okay clash royale awesome killer killer uh what uh what other games are in your uh game universe no that's it like my son got me into it and um i've gone through other games i'm not like you know i'm not that much of a gamer per se but uh, yeah it, it's fun with like my with like my son we're in we're in the same clan and then we found out like one of his soccer friends dads like he created a clan so we joined him so you know some of his soccer buds are there yeah it's a lot of fun Dude, that's an absolute blast. Awesome. Yeah, very cool. I had um, I had Evan Carmichael on the podcast recently, and uh, Evan's awesome. And we were talking about League of Legends, which which I'm a big fan of, and Teemo. Okay. And it's, it's so funny, like all these, like, like, we are serious marketers. We will measure the ROI. But, you know, <laughs> it's like... It's- and my son's big in Brawl Stars, and I was like, Daddy, you got to download Brawl Stars. I'm like, dude, let me just, you know, one game at a time here. <laughs> so, totally, totally. But, but it's good yeah. to have that. I, I think a lot of people think, like, they look at top performers, and they're like, you do nothing. And it's like, no, like I'll go, I'll play like a game of league here and there, or like, you know, like I'll do fun things. We we're human. Awesome. Uh, well, this is going to be an obvious one, coffee or tea. Yeah, there, there's no, but I will <laughs> say I do have a quota of how many cups of coffee I have per day. It's, it's still way too many, but at some point, like at 5 PM, if I take, if I take my kids to soccer, I need to wait like an hour and a half. I'll bring my computer, go to someplace and I'll get a chai latte. Oh, cool. What's the quota? Five? Four? Five, you nailed it. Yeah, I figured. Heck is so. Yeah, it's, it's the jet. Don't tell my wife. She still thinks it's four. <laughs> totally. It's three, bro. You, no, you've been cutting back. I've been seeing him daily cutting back. He's really working hard on this. Uh, I, I love it. And uh, I guess last but not least, I call this the dark force. Okay, so I, I believe we as humans, we, we get good at stuff, right? Either we kind of go through life and we go through our challenges and we get good at stuff. And then we live our life in what I call the valley. And those are things that are familiar. For me, it's like digital marketing and you know, building funnels and copywriting. I, I know I could do that. I could, do, I could do it in my sleep. Okay, easy. But then there's always this thing, I call it the dark forest. That thing that kind of freaks us out. And we're like, oh, like today I'm going to stay in the valley again. And then 
we get into this habit of waking up, going into the valley, going to bed, going into the valley, and then we never really go into the dark forest. So you've got a new book uh, coming out. Judging by how happy you were when you completed it, that was obviously, it took a lot of tapping into to create that. And it's just just huge props to you for putting that together. Um, but I'm sure there's something else too. What is that dark forest for you where you kind of know you need to go in there you need to conquer it, some sort of personal goal, personal mission? Um, we'd love to hear what that is uh, with where you are currently. Wow. Well, I'd say one dark forest I'm finally conquering, which is really daily exercise, which I started doing this year. I now go to the gym like four or five times a week, do an hour, mainly cardio, but also some weightlifting. So that's huge for me because that's something I put off for way too long. Um, I'd say the other dark force really where I want to go and every year I sort of make the plan and, and somehow I never get there are, are the digital courses, right? Yeah. I know that I need to do and um, I've, I'm equipped to do it, right? It's just, I haven't done it. And um you know, I tend to, uh, I forgot what the name of that journal was where you have like four different personality types. And then depending on your type, they have a journal for you. Have you heard hmm. of them? No. Yeah, they, what? they reached out to me as an influencer recently and, oh, and that's cool. I got a freebie. I forgot what it was. Uh, I'm bad influencer, but I can't say the name of the <laughs> brand that sent me. It looks, looks like they didn't do any of the things that we were supposed to do. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Just really quickly here. Um, yeah, let's find, let's find him. Yeah, no, no, no. So when I did the personality test, what the personality test said about me was that I was the architect. Okay, so, okay. so this is like the um, the 16 personalities, INTJ they, sub, subset thing. Yep. They have like four different ones, four different you know main categories, but I was the architect. Therefore, I really like to plan things out, structure, process, and that's, that's totally me, right? So if I'm going to do a digital course, it's like, tell me the structure I can figure out, like, how many hours does this need to be? And that's that's the wrong question to ask because it's about the transformation, right? It's not about how many hours or how many videos. So uh, I decided that the easiest way for me to launch this was with my book. So my book was sort of done on a Kickstarter for authors called Publishizer, which I highly recommend. So it was a, a test market. You know, if I wrote a book on influencer marketing, would people buy it? And the answer was yes. So I wrote the book. But as part of it, you know, you have all these upsell packages. So one of the packages was buy three copies of $60 and you're going to get a free month membership into this new, you know, mastermind uh, membership community that I'm going to build. So now the book is coming out. I have to build that. And I see that as the first step in the digital courses, beginning with a membership community, which is going to lead me into developing products, digital products for the needs of that community. Because yep. through through mentoring and through coaching, I'm going to find out what are, you know, marketers and, and entrepreneurs and, you know, small business owners' biggest problems and go from there. Because I have a lot of ideas. I, I could do so many different courses right now, uh, but I really want to sort of validate those ideas. And I could, you know, obviously do, do surveys, what have you, which I will. Um, but I think this is going to be a shortcut. It's going to get me, you know, I'm going to start it on a platform like a Teachable or a Thinkific or a uh, Podia. I haven't decided which one I'm going to use yet. Um, but yeah, that's sort of, you know, the only way to get through the Black Forest if you're an architect is really at some point, you got to put your put yourself out there. And by committing to building this community, that was sort of myself putting myself out there. Now, now I got to build it. So um, yeah. I'm busy and for the launch of the book. After the launch of the book, my hope is by April 1st, I'll have it out there and, and we'll see how far I go. Man, I love it. I think it's actually huge. So you're not playing to your strengths. You're playing to make sure that you any weaknesses that you have of, of overthinking, over analyzing. You're, you've now created a cliff, and you got to just you got to just go off the cliff, build the wings on the way down. Uh, I think that's huge. I think a lot of people let fear paralyze them, 
And um, there was a point you made a decision. You're like, I will just deal with the fear when it comes up. And then you deal with it. And uh, huge props to you. Let me know how I could be of any support whatsoever. We built a lot of digital courses. So happy to extend a helping voice memo or something that gets you hyped up or um, <laughs> assist in any way. Neil, thank you so much, brother. Uh, lots of love for you. Uh, thanks for coming on. I guess last but not least, if you had any advice for uh, younger cats that are on here that want to be rock star marketers, what what's some advice that you would have for them across anything? It could be, you know, give people more hugs or it could be more uh, marketing specific. Uh, we can close out with that. You know, I had someone, I went to this small liberal arts college in Massachusetts called Amherst. So I did like an Amherst grad reach out to me. He lives in the San Fernando Valley. It's like, you know, I don't know, 23, 24, but really, really bright guy. And he's already like doing speaking and he's already like done like agency work. And he's like, Neil, I really want to learn from a mentor like you. And, you know, how do I get more speaking gigs? And, and, you know, how do I do this and that? And I'm like, dude, you have all the tools that you need, right? You just got to do it. And almost my message for anybody that wants to do more marketing is, you know, whether it's your brand or you want to try drop shipping, there's no, you know, what, or working with a nonprofit, which I normally recommend, or, you know, whatever it is, there's no better way to learn than actually do it. And I think you find a lot of really, really successful people out there are not trained marketers by any means. They're doers, right? I mean, I, I think Gary Vaynerchuk is, is the ultimate example of that. And you're going to fail. And that's awesome because it's part of the learning experience, right? Most and, and so, you know, I think what's helped me is this never ending entrepreneurial spirit. I consider myself like an entrepreneur. For, even if something was a success, I probably want to build something else, right? Um, and there's failures along the way. But that's obviously you, you need to have failures to get to that success. When I was in sales, for every, you know, 10 rejections, you finally get someone that'll talk to you, right? And maybe a portion of those will actually meet with you, right? And a portion of those will actually request a quotation. And a portion of those gets to the sale, right? It's almost like this, this funnel. And it's really the same thing. So you, you got to get, if you really want to become good at this, get out there. You know, if, if you need money, put an ads in Craigslist. Hey, freelance marketer, go on to Fiverr, go on to Upwork, get experience at whatever rate, um, help a nonprofit, launch your own little store, whatever it is. That's really the best advice because most of you out there, if you're listening to this podcast, you're you're equipped, right? I believe with the right mindset and a lot of tactical advice, you just got to do it. And I think this is the message for a lot of marketers. It's it's the black forest. It's the same thing. People just don't execute. They just don't do it. And what we need are more doers. And I hope you, after listening to this and going back and you know listening to other motivational podcasts, I hope you become a doer as well. Because I believe the doers are the ones that end up on top, uh, especially with marketers. Neil, thank you so much, brother. Huge pleasure having you. Guys, go DM Neil right now. Go spam him. If you've gotten this far, just spam him. Just send him panda emojis. Panda emojis are the key. Neil, thank you for hopping on. Lots of love for you, brother. And we will see you in the next one. Mutual respect. Thank you. It really is a revolution. We've never wavered in that vision. I believe. Everything you hold worthwhile is at stake. Beyond yourselves and ourselves, I have a dream. Freedom is indivisible.